Hello, we are glad all of you are here. Welcome to Mexican Indian Training Center and may God bless you. Hola, nos da gusto que estén aquí. Bienvenidos al Centro Educativo Indígena. Dios les bendiga. Well, hello, friends. Can we just give the Lord a hand? Yeah. Amen. So uh, today we uh, just wanted to give our church uh, some insight into one of our strategic partners. Uh, the uh, Mexican Indian Training Center is uh, located in southern Mexico in a, uh, a really, a, I would say a community, but it's really a city uh, much larger than Wills Point uh, called Cordoba, Mexico. And uh, Dan Hall uh, serves uh, at what we know as the Mexican Indian Training Center, and he leads that mission there. And I'm excited for you guys to hear uh, from him today to hear about the work that God is doing there and uh, how you have contributed, how you've been a part of it uh, over the last six and a half years of our existence here. And uh, pray that today you are moved by what God is doing there. And uh, Dan, hey man, a privilege and an honor to have you and Miss Chewy here with us. And uh, hey, of course, Marco, what a blessing to have Marco with us today as well. But uh, I'm just going to pray for us real quick, church, and then we're going to dive in and just hear what God's doing there. Uh, Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for the privilege uh, and the responsibility of being called the, the ecclesia, the called out ones of Jesus. Uh, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you have removed uh, the, the sin that so easily entangled us. And God, that you have blotted it out through the precious blood of Jesus. God, we're thankful of the call in our lives that... Uh, Lord, we are commissioned to be the salt and the light of the world. And uh, Father, I pray that we would burn brightly for the cause of the gospel, uh, that Lord, that we would uh, be gospel-centered in the way that we live our lives. And uh, Father, I pray that today, that as we gather in this place, that it would just be a reminder to go and worship you wherever we go, that we would be on mission uh, wherever it is that you have us in our workplace, in our homes, uh, in our communities, 
And uh, I, I pray, Father, today that this would be a, a chance for us to exhort and encourage and, and maybe even admonish the body uh, in a way that pleases you. We thank you for Dan and for Chewy and for their ministry there in Mexico. We thank, we're, we're thankful for our partnership. And uh, God, we, we look forward to being encouraged today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, Dan, uh, it's a blessing to have you. Uh, now, real quickly, just to, to really get something straight, you, you, are, you live in Mexico and you do not like guacamole. <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable, <laughs> but <clears throat> it's true. We, we were sharing dinner last night together, and he was like, yeah, guacamole, is, it's Mexican butter, and yes. he doesn't like it. Uh, and I'm like, well, how do we support such a work, you know? <laughs> such a gift from God, and you don't like it. What, but. what, what, what I don't do... My brothers, um, they support my weaknesses, <laughs> the, yes, and they amen. make up for it in Mexico. Amen. A good, eating, eating good team always picks up his yes. slack. Amen. <laughs> well, uh, Dan, uh, just real quickly, uh, I think maybe you understand why it's called the Mexican Indian Training Center after you saw the video, but just share real quickly kind of how it got its name and, and really what the mission of Mexican Indian Training Center is. Uh, the Mexican Indian Training Center... Uh, exists to spread the gospel in Mexico. And um, the means that it does that, the core ministry is a Bible school to train young men and women, especially from, but not exclusively from, but especially from the mountain indigenous areas of Mexico. So um, it's a unique opportunity to provide them with uh, basically a seminary preparation for the ministry to become pastors, church workers, missionaries, evangelists, um, youth workers. So um, that's what we do there in Cordoba. Uh, bring in the young men and women from the different areas of the, especially the southern mountainous areas of Mexico and um, provide them by God's grace with a home and the teaching staff necessary to uh, prepare them for the ministry. Amen. And so uh, Stone Point has been uniquely involved with them uh, for a little over six years. Uh, we've been sending people uh, for that time as well. And the reason why is because uh, Dick Patterson, he's one of our Connections uh, pastors here, and uh, he did our announcements earlier for us if you're a first-time guest. Uh, he has been involved, really, you've known Dick for how long? 16 or 17 years. There you go. By God's grace, yeah. yes. So, and, and, and the, the, I think why we call it a unique partnership is because even though he knows Dick that long, he still wants to partner with us. And so that's why we call it unique. Uh, but no, no, really, uh, Dick got involved with Mexican Indian Training Center uh, early on and even in his walk and... Uh, he's served in a couple of churches and, and has really had a heart for that, but none of the churches really that he served in ever had the heart that he did for it. So he's been praying that God would just bring some men alongside. And we have guys now that are going to be on their ninth, 10th, 11th trip, you know. Uh, and what's really incredible too is to see that this January, we're going to take 26 adults uh, to Mexico with us. And uh, it's, yeah, that's a praise God moment because... It's something that Dick has been praying for for a long time. Yes. And uh, if you haven't been, I hope that today, by the time you leave here, you have every reason why to say yes uh, to going and being involved in, in a work like this. 
Um, I think one of the most incredible things is to hear how it started. And, and the first service is the very first time I've ever heard from your own mouth all the things that God did. But um, it's existed for 60 plus years. Yes, and years. You, you weren't the founder, right? No, sir. My father was the founder. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, yes. could y'all tell he's not 60, right? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Please, please say yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us about your, your dad and, and just kind of your family growing up. I know that this ministry is really all that you ever knew. Yes. Um, but kind of just share how it got started and, and what God has really used your dad and your family to kind of birth there in southern Mexico. Yes. First of all, it's a joy to be with you here this morning with Chuy and Marco and uh, we bring you greetings from your family in Mexico at MITC and much love in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the work at MITC began as all of God's works um, by God motivating, by God putting a, a love for spreading the word of Jesus Christ in, in my parents. Um, as we read the scriptures and look at the whole Bible story, it talks about God amazingly and, and with his power and grace taking individuals, the most unlikely, um, in this case it was two Louisianians from South Louisiana, that God would um, put a love for missions in their heart and originally a love to go to China. And now I, I'm talking back many years ago, long before I was. Yeah. And um, my mom and dad, when they were in their college years, they met um, at a missions conference. And they both wanted to be missionaries to China. And um, they met at that conference and they fell in love with each other and with that desire. But the door to go to China did not open for them. So my dad finished up his medical training as a general doctor and my mom had finished her training as a music teacher and um, they're both LSU graduates, go Tigers. Um, <laughs> so uh, from, from Louisiana and um, they searched for God's opportunity and sure enough, God opened a door to come to Mexico. Uh, someone was trying to start a work, had no support, um, and they uh, took my dad down and um, had done some scouting around in the uh, indigenous areas, and um, God allowed my parents to start uh, backing and supporting what would become the Mexican Indian Training Center. And um, this is in the uh, late 50s. Um, uh, my parents would go down and take medications and go into the remoter, the, the more remote areas of Mexico to share um, medicines for many, the many, many health problems that there were at the time in those areas, uh, ep epidemics and, and, and just some, some tremendous situations. And at the same, same time, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through that, there were several uh, villages uh, begin having the gospel, and then churches were formed. And that was, um, that was where MITC began receiving the young men and women from that 
we would train or and are training now to be um, church workers and, and to serve in the ministry. But um, we kept um, going down, and um, I started going when I was four years old, and um, I don't remember all of that very well, but that's the record I got from my <laughs> parents. Um, when I was four years old, uh, several times a year, we would go down like your church is um, blessing us now. Um, the Lord used that same mission focus to um, go share the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we would spend most of our summers in Mexico. Um, we'd have, would load up trailer fulls of medication. Um, God took my mom and dad to settle in Shreveport and um, start a medical practice there, which he worked at for 20 years. Also helped start a church in Shreveport and, um, and was very involved in ministry there, but at the same time, uh, continuously going back and forth to Mexico on these mission trips during the summer and also during Christmas. And um, that went on from, uh, you know, now this is the early 60s now, all the way through um, the year of 1970. And um, the Lord used my father to set up a, a board of directors in the United States to help um, uh, receive and provide for the, the mission in Cordoba and set up that, that connection for um, God's love and grace to flow from here to there as a mission work in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So... Um, after many, many trips uh, and through different circumstances at the mission, uh, now having been established for many years, um, the Lord finally um, spoke to our family to go on full-time missions. Um, my dad witnessed a miraculous healing. Being a medical professional, that is uh, not something easy sometimes to uh, accept. Of course, he believes in God's almighty power and miraculous works. But this was a child that he had pretty much declared um, dead. She was on her deathbed. And he left the family in this village of Vega del Sol and um, uh, uh, a severe case of... Um, uh, meningitis and uh, with many complications and um, so he left believing she was going to die and um, he was able to return a couple of weeks later with the express purpose of taking comfort to the family now this is before any kind of phones in these areas. This was a long drive from Cordoba back then. Of course, no cell phones, no internet, nothing back then. Right. So, um, so he drives from uh, Shreveport back to Vega del Sol, this Chinanteco village. By the way, uh, Chinanteco means Chinese-like. So he's among the Chinese-like people, and he arrives at Daniel's home, and he goes and says, uh, Daniel... Uh, and how are you? And uh, Daniel says, "Oh, hi, Doc. I'm doing great." And he says, "Well, how how did things end? How did how did it how did how did it end with Emilia, your daughter?" And um, he says, "What do you mean? How did it end?" 
And he says, yeah, well, how, how was her funeral? And um, he says, Doc, do you not believe what you have taught us? And my dad says, what? He says, yes, the girl you walked by in the hammock singing, that's Amelia. He said, I did not recognize her at all. And he went back and saw her and just fell on his knees and started crying and praising the Lord because of the miracle done. And, and this was the first believer's home in the, in the town of Vega del Sol, the village of Vega del Sol. So he, he recovered from that um, experience and was walking out of the hut. It was a thatched hut. The streets uh, were, were made of grass, grass streets. Um, no cars, you had to cross a river to get there. As he was walking out the door, there was a man that had walked down from another Chinanteco village four hours further in the mountain. And he, he, it's one of those, you know, we call them coincidences, but we know that the Lord is sovereign over all things. And he walked up to my dad and in his broken Spanish, because he spoke Chinanteco, um, he says, Doc, it's good to see you. When are you coming? And my dad says, when am I coming? I'm, I'm here. And he says, no, when are you coming to stay? And I just, my dad says, oh, I don't know about that. Um, of course, in his mind, he's been trying to come and stay for 20 years. And he had thought that that was never going to happen. And um, so he had been working as hard as he could to get his medical practice as proficient and to, be, to bless Mexico and bless the work. And God had really blessed his medical practice. So he thought that that was God saying, no, you're, you're to be up here and support and help. But then the day he witnessed that miracle and the day he heard those words, was the day that the Lord brought home the fact that he was saying, it's time. And um, he drove 32 hours straight back to Shreveport from, from Vega del Sol to Shreveport, Louisiana, and um, nonstop because um, he couldn't rest. His, his heart was just, was just throbbing with this, with this call of God and knew that this was the decision to make. And he arrives at our home in Shreveport. Uh, my mom had not gone with him on that trip, and uh, none of us had. And um, he got home and told my mom, said, Honey, um, God has been talking to me, and either we have to get on the ball or I think we're going to have to get off the team because of the, the way I feel. And she said, you know what? God has been speaking to me too. And my dad said, praise the Lord, we're going to Mexico. She says, wait, there's three things. Says, you've built this nice home. We have to sell this home. You've built your nice clinic. You have to take care of that. And you also have to tell me how we're going to take care of the children's education. Well, my dad says, we're going to Mexico. He will take care of that. <laughs> so he continued on. This was in August of the year 1970 when all these things happened. And he was uh, teaching his Bible class at, at church one Sunday morning. And um, another John in his class said, John, why don't you sell me your house? 
out of the blue. And, and my dad says, you really want my house? And he says, I would love to buy your house. He said, praise God, we're going to Mexico. <laughs> and the guy said, you're going to Mexico because I'm buying your house? I don't want it then. <laughs> said, you're my doctor. You're my family doctor, my, my teacher, my mentor. Um, I don't want you to leave. And my dad said, sorry, John. You have expressed that you're going to buy it here in church. <laughs> you have to buy it. <laughs> so um, sure enough, um, the Lord did that. My father went to the clinic, and he had uh, several partners. And he said, boys, thank you for all your help, all these years and your patience with me going back and forth to Mexico and helping me with provisions and everything. And, but now I'm going. The clinic is yours. You can sell me out. You can buy me out. You can do whatever you want. But I'm going to Mexico. And um, so in December, we were on our cots in the home in Cordoba, um, waiting for um, furniture to be shipped from New Orleans to the port of Veracruz, something a tourist could never do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, that's how uh, we moved to Mexico and started our life there by the grace of God. Yeah. Yes. So, mm -hmm. so God was uh, clearly in those beginning days and uh, from... Uh, just the, the miracle that your dad saw in Amelia's life. Um, and, and then just beyond, the, the guy coming from the, the village and just saying, now this is, God told me that you were, you were to come and all of those things. But um, your dad was faithful with that work for uh, many, many years. But eventually you became pretty interested in what God was doing there. Share a little bit about just you, and, and uh, I know you, you blessed Chewy with allowing her to come part of the ride, right? Uh, <laughs> um, but just kind of share a, a little bit of how God orchestrated in your heart the desire to see MITC continue on for many years, um, even after your, your dad progressed in age. Yes. Our, our move to Mexico was part of God's work in our family life. Um, and I say this also as a testimony for those of you who have children and uh, raising your families, but um, being in the scripture, learning as a child the Bible stories, and just um, my parents' desire to serve the Lord um, made it almost a natural happening in my life as a child. Um, I know that for my, my father and my mother, um, it was a more drastic change. I'm not going to say sacrifice because um, the love of the Lord and the desire to, to be where he wanted us to be was the thing. That was the that was the overwhelming thing, and um, and sometimes I'm asked, you know, was it was, uh, you know, do you have remember uh, suffering or anything going down, you know, it was it was there was such an excitement. That's what I remember. There was such an excitement to go down. I was going to ride a cow. I was going to do things. 
So the Lord, the Lord just prepared us that way as a family. And of course, after we got there, um, there were struggles. Every time God calls you to do something and you believe and you obey, there's struggles. And, uh, and, but there's grace for all those struggles. Amen. And um, I don't remember this, but um, I was placed in a, um, well, I do remember going to this school, but um, I, uh, I was placed in a Spanish-speaking school. There were a public school where there was no one that spoke English at all. I was eight years old, and I was just kind of dropped in that school. And uh, my dad says that when I came home every day, I had stomach aches. And that was, so, that was my suffering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I still have some stomach aches. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, God's grace is, is abundant. Amen. And as a child, um, I saw that. And um, soon after we moved down and uh, the Lord blessed us living there, uh, the Lord also brought me to him as a child. As a 10-year-old, the Lord touched my heart and brought me to faith in Christ through the ministry, of course, of my father and especially the work of my mom. We, I can still remember the Bible story books that we went through, They're, they were huge. I don't know if they still make them like that here in the States anymore. They, they do, but they do. we went through them from beginning to end. And, and I remember loving not only first her teaching me those books, but then God instilled in me the love to read, read the Bible stories and then to read the Bible itself. So um, it's just a word that if you're blessed to have children and you're believers or you're blessed to have grandchildren and you're believers and you can invest in their lives, I am a, I am, I am a living testimony to that special grace of God. Amen. Yes. Uh, so as a, uh, I think just twofold, we're, we're kind of doing this table talk series right now where we're talking about families and what that looks like. I have a family with th three kiddos and what you've met this morning. Okay. Uh, a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, that it's going to be five soon. And uh, I got one question. Number one, if I bring them to Mexico, can they ride a cow? <laughs> they, they can. Well, it's I don't it. recommend yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I think there's a hesitation for us that we have young kiddos in terms of really getting involved missionally. It's exciting to hear that when they just know that's a part of who our family is, then we're going to take risk. And when you take risk, you get high rewards, you know, and when we've, fail to take risk and and we want to play it safe well we we often are the ones that have to hear the god stories as as opposed to be able to share the god stories yes. and i want to be a part of telling god stories and i want my kids to see those and i think that's an area that i'm excited to hear but uh we also just share with our singles that like embrace this rhythm of life where you're in right now and and know that god's given you a point where you you're, you don't have a, a yoke to be tied to in sense of family and all those things, go and share the gospel throughout the world. I guess tell me when you were you know young, you knew that this was something that God was calling your family to. How did your dad pass the torch to you? When did you know that God affirmed that call? And then how did you approach your family in terms of a beginning of marriage and all those things to a call that you felt really strong towards? Yes. Um, when I was uh, seventeen. Um, the Lord provided, you know, that third thing that my mom was asking about. The Lord provided miraculously 
for uh, me to come to college, to a Christian college here in the United States called, back then it was Laterno College, it's here in Longview. Now I think it's Laterno University. And um, I wanted to study there to prepare in something that would be helpful in the ministry in Mexico. So in addition to taking many Bible courses at Laterno, um, I also uh, got a degree in av aviation maintenance. And um, at that time, we flew into the mountain village regions because there were no roads. You, you basically dropped these little planes into the mountains on what uh, we call bush flying. And um, so my original thought was uh, to prepare to help take care of those aircraft and uh, fly them also into those areas. Um, that was when I was 17. And uh, also when I was 17 and came to colleges, uh, I met Chui right before we, I came to college. And um, the Lord uh, blessed us and um, we fell in love and uh, in God's love. <laughs> we fell in God's love and with each other. And um, when I finished uh, with school, I went back and um, I told Chui, I said, I feel the Lord wants me to serve here with my father, help him, and um, the work that God's placed in his hands. And if you would be a part of this and become my wife, um, I cannot promise you a uh, house and riches, but I can promise you, you will never be bored. Ever. Amen. And um, yeah. so, thank God, that's a promise that I have kept to Chewy. Yeah. And uh, no matter where we've been, and uh, but it's been a wonderful 33 years that God has given us together. She said yes, and and we started our lives together in 1984. Um, I had been working uh, with my father uh, almost a year before, and. And then when we got married, we officially came on as uh, uh, workers at MITC by Amen. God's grace. Yes. So if you're going into ministry, that's always something you share. Hey, the eternal rewards are far better than anything I'll provide you on earth. Oh, and absolutely. Uh, and uh, that's also the hope that we have as believers. That's why we can take risks and go and do missions because we have an inheritance that never spoils or fade away. And yes. I think Jesus said it himself. Hey, anybody can... You can follow me, and, and what do you fear? Somebody will take your mortal body, but outside of that, that's what we're investing in. And so it's incredible to hear that story. One of the things that I think for me, um, you know, you guys have been praying for me to come. I, I'd been going to Guatemala for a few years, and just in our season of life with kiddos that are really young, I kept saying no, just, you know, trying to pastor our church. And then last January I went. I'm going again this January with our team of 26. But I, what I got to witness that God was doing there in southern Mexico is actually the reason that you're here today is because it's a special work. And um, it's a really God-ordained thing. But just share real quickly, uh, just, you know, it's a four-year school, but kind of what you guys are doing with, you know, training kids, who can come, and then really the purpose of the school beyond just education, et cetera. Yes. The core ministry of MITC is the Bible school. And our purpose is to provide a place, 
uh, well, the purpose that God has put in our hearts. Let me rephrase that. And, uh, you know, as we talk about the ministry and as we talk about ourselves, I, w I want to confess that it, if it were not for God's grace and his, and his provision and his love, none of us would be there. And, I, and, and as we're here this morning to worship the Lord, I, as we share these things, please say, thank you, Father. And it's, and it's, not, it's not us. Amen. It's, it's the Lord. It's not, it's not MITC. It's, it's the Lord's work through MITC and through Stone Point that has us here today. And um, the core ministry that the Lord has given us uh, at MITC is the Bible School. It's a four-year program. And it's uh, especially uh, there to train young men and women from these more remote areas of Mexico and who come, many of them, as you saw in the video, come uh, from different cultures. I mean, they, they speak different languages. They have different cultures, even though they, also, they all speak some Spanish, but um, their native language or their indigenous language is, uh, can be Chinanteco, like the place uh, where the Chinese people, Chinese-like people are, where my dad saw the miracle. And um, oh, by the way, uh, he said he always had the right people group, but just the wrong country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the Chinese-like, <laughs> not, not over China. So the, the, Lord, the Lord has um, a real neat way of working in our lives in a very personal manner. But the Bible school the, the students come in and they live on campus. Um, we, have a, we have a dining hall. Um, we have the classrooms. We have a uh, 13 family faculty and staff. Um, everyone lives at MITC. It's, it's, it's like a, uh, it's hard to describe the mission compound, but um, it's, it's a little city that, the God, that God has placed there. And um, it's all provided by God's grace. Um, the kids come from areas of Mexico that are basically um, subsistence economies. They, they plant what they eat. Um, I mean, there's no banking. There's no, there's no uh, in these areas, uh, no, no accounts. So these kids would be unable to, to pay any kind of tuition any kind of, of, of monthly fees. So by God's grace and by people and churches like Stone Point Church, um, God has provided a place in Mexico for them to come and by grace receive everything for their training. And uh, this is for the glory of God. It's a mission that's been there for 61 years not dependent on any denominational program, uh, certainly not any kind of governmental program. It is all done by God's love flowing through the hearts of his people like yourselves. And um, we, we train them. Uh, our Bible uh, program, we try to cover every book in the Bible in, in, the, in their years of study. So... Um, uh, we seek to make it scripturally based, Christ-centered training. And in addition to that, they learn many things to help work with children, to, uh, uh, to work with youth, 
to um, for the for the young men to become pastors. They're they're teaching classes and preaching classes, and um, it's really a full fledged seminary. But on top of all of that, as they live there on the compound, to help offset some of the cost, of course, they all participate in cleaning, in maintenance, in gardening work, tending to the animals, uh, tending to the coffee. Uh, we have a little coffee plantation. Um, they learn, they work in our welding shop, our carpentry shop. They, they help with the construction of the new buildings. Uh, they do painting. And um, while they're doing all these things, they're learning. Um, they're learning how uh, to, to do each, each one of these, cooking, sewing, um, general health guidelines, um, things that as they go back as the missionary or, or pastor or church worker or, or women's teacher, they will um, take not only the knowledge of the scriptures that they've learned, but they will be able to also share helps that will better the lives of the people where they're, where they're going, they're back to their mission villages and, and areas. So um, that is our full-time Bible program. It's, it's four years. The last year is called the year of practice or the year of faith. And this is the opportunity for our upperclassmen who have had a lot of experience by that year um, because on the weekends as their second and third year students, uh, we assign them to churches in the Cordoba region and in about an hour radius of the mission. We have churches that have been started through the years by our faculty and, and students and um, where, they, where they serve on the weekends and they help with the youth and with the, some as pastors and preachers. But their fourth year, it's a year when they come in and they, and they report for duty and they receive an assignment um, to go to one of the remote villages for their final year. And they, and they give back that year of their life to serve people who would never have a pastor, never have a missionary or a church worker to um, go and live in one of these uh, Indian indigenous villages and serve them. So uh, in that way, MITC is able to provide national missionaries trained at the, at the Bible school to go and continue spreading the gospel throughout those um, remote areas of Mexico. So that's our privilege yeah. that we have. Yeah, so hey, we're going to wrap up our time. Uh, it, you can come to the third service and hear more if you'd like. Um, but we, uh, we have been able to see as kind of an eyewitness account. I mean, that's what Luke wrote to a guy named Theophilus. Like, I am writing to you the most excellent things as an eyewitness to these gospel accounts. And uh, I just wanted to say is like you watch these kids and it's an incredible thing uh, to be 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. Uh, they get up at 4.30 in the morning so that they can serve you and everyone on the campus breakfast at 6 a.m. That's when things get going. And so if you're here and you're kind of in that, that cycle uh, or that rhythm of a season where you have a rebellious teen, you ought to go to Mexico. Uh, because you can't hardly get them to clean their, their, their room or make their bed. Well, they do that every morning. I remember going to our team and saying, listen, they're not going to just cook us breakfast. Like, let's get up. Let's serve breakfast. And some of the just most meaningful times are there in that kitchen, mm -hmm. cleaning dishes and serving alongside students who are learning 
in the breakfast, in, in the morning hours to serve people, to, to, to do things, that life skills, then to go to class and take part in systematic theology and hermeneutics, and then to do the, the afternoon's life skills, and then day after day after day, they do this until their, their fourth year. When they show up in September with their bags packed, not knowing where it is, but just saying, Lord, here I am, send me. Mm-hmm. And they go somewhere to be a, a blessing to someone. Yes. And what God is doing there is an incredible thing. And I just hope that you realize that just as what Dan said, hey, under no denominational control, it's support from the local church around the world. That's who we are. And uh, I just hope that you realize, just as Ephesians 2.10, that you and I are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, in which God has prepared in advance, beforehand. Um, and so may we be a blessing. May we go and be the church wherever it is that God has called us. And But may we be encouraged by our brothers and sisters in uh, a remote area in southern Mexico who are doing the same thing, knowing that you and I are not alone. Uh, that God says in Luke that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And I just ha- I happen to believe this radical thing that God's going to accomplish his mission in and through the world through the church. And through planting lots of churches. And so, Dan, we are so grateful for you and Chewy, your leadership there, our partnership, our friendship, your hospitality. It's a special place. And uh, we are just thrilled that God would allow us to partner with guys like you and advancing his kingdom work. Amen. It's been our, our, our blessing to receive you and the brethren from Stone Point, And uh, we praise God for this church family. And we wanted to come and see you and take the witness back to Mexico of what God is doing here. So thank you so much for your Amen. hospitality. Amen. Um, we want to close with just uh, their, their, some of their staff and some of their students uh, just say, kind of a, sending a greeting uh, to you guys. And so uh, let's, let's close with that and then a couple other things, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed to have a great week of worship. You, you guys check this out. And can we just give Dan just a round of applause? Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. God bless you. Brothers and sisters, gracias. We thank God for you because through your generosity, youth from many places are able to come to MITC and train for the gospel ministry. Right now, we have over 150 students from several states and other countries that are studying here at the Mexican Indian Training Center. Gracias a ti, vengo desde Guerrero. De Oaxaca. De las montañas de Orizaba. Desde Colombia. Thanks to your financial support for MITC, our professors have been able to faithfully teach the Word of God. And by this, our students have been prepared for a great variety of ministries and have gone on missions throughout this country. Gracias a ti, he podido capacitar a nuestros alumnos. Como predicar el glorioso Evangelio. Como honrar la palabra de Dios. Como discernir las verdades de la Escritura. Como adorar a nuestro Señor y Salvador. Gracias a ti he aprendido a servir. A disipular a las generaciones futuras. A instruir a los niños. Administrar a los no alcanzados. And now, hundreds will be able to go to the ends of the earth, called by God to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gracias a ti puedo estar en el seminario y llevar lo aprendido a las personas de Oaxaca. A los hermanos de Guerrero. A los perdidos en Michoacán. A los no alcanzados de Puebla. 
a predicar a los grupos étnicos. We give thanks to God and to you, each one of you who have joined with us making all of this possible. God bless you. We say thank you with all of our heart. Gracias. 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 Amen. Wow, what a blessing, and I uh, hope that you are encouraged today, uh, maybe even a little bit admonished, maybe a little convicted uh, to be a part of what God's doing around the world and how you can be involved. Uh, I also want to close with one other thing. We're in the middle of this series called Family Talk, and uh, we have a real blessing, I think, uh, being able to present something to you this Tuesday through a webinar, but want to give you some details on that, and we're going to check that out, and then we're going to close in song, and, and uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're going to kind of do church a little longer today. And so I hope that's a blessing to you. And, uh, and so y'all check this out. In 2015, there was a football accident that rippled through the entire East Texas community. A life was hanging in the balance. In a time where sports accidents are a normal part of life, this was an unusual and tragic event that affected a career, a life, and a family. Coach Factel had been on Texas sidelines for over 40 years. In a moment, his life was forever altered. Coach Factel grew up in the South Texas town of Lake Jackson and quickly developed a love for sports. He played college football and was an All-American offensive lineman in the Southwest Conference. He married his high school sweetheart, Betty, on November of 1972 and have been together in covenant marriage for over 40 years. They have four grown children, Kevin, Jason, Brandon, and Lindsay, and their legacy extends through their children, but also through countless lives that they have touched through the years. For Coach Factel, football was more than a sport, more than the victories and trophies. It's about inspiring the young man to lead honorable lives. When people think of Coach Factel's life, a few things come to mind. An unquestionable work ethic, an unshakable faith, a servant, and a love for others. Coach Factel lived a life worth imitating, and we believe you should too. What is his secret? What about his family? How did Papa B and his lovely wife Betty raise their children? What drove their motivation and their devotion? What mistakes did they make? What things would they change? what helped him and his family navigate through life's challenges. Join us this Tuesday, November 19th on Facebook live stream as Brandon and Kelly have a heartfelt, authentic, and honest conversation with Coach Mark and Betty. You lived among the least of these, the weary and the weak. And it would be a tragedy for me to turn away All my needs you have supplied When I was dead you gave me life So I could not give it away so freely I follow you into the home 
hands of the broken follow you into the world meet the needs of the poor and the needy God follow you into the world God bless you and have a great week worshiping God <laughs>